welcome to Dear Sparrows Podcast. So we are on week five of our Unveiled Life series, kind of going along with the Unveiled book that came out in March. So welcome, welcome. So chapter five is Monkey See, Monkey Do. So there's the idiom, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. But as common as that is, it's it's really true. That holds a lot of truth. If the people that we are around are going to affect who we are. Um, so the first part of this chapter, you have to get the book to really work it out and kind of take the questionnaire. But it helps identify certain people and where they really fall in your life. Some of your closest friends and people you might not realize how inner circle they are or how outer circle they are. Uh, we can kind of fall into this belief, oh, that person's they're in my tight inner circle, but they might not be. They might be further out. They might be in more of an outer circle. So there's a whole cool questionnaire you can do on that, which I highly recommend. I think it's really great to figure out where people fall and um, how close they are to you. And then you get to see how really they affect you, the words they say and the different things they're doing. So highly, highly recommend taking that quiz, checking it out. Next part of the chapter is talking about how how these different people actually have effect on us. So parental influence. So our parents are the first ones who shape us. Childhood, we're really revolved around them for the most part. They're the ones that we spend the most time with and those early developmental years typically will be spent with a parent or whomever is raising you, whether it's a grandparent or something like that. And looking at how great those relationships are really do affect us for identity and later in life and just ideals, um, how you were raised, how you were shaped. So found an interesting statistic here by Robbie Lowe. He found that if both father and mother attend regularly, 33% of their children will end up as regular churchgoers. And 41% will end up attending irregularly. But only a quarter of the children will end up not practicing at all. If the father is irregular and the mother is regular, only 3% of the children will actually become regulars themselves. While 59% will become irregulars, 38% will be lost. If the father is non-practicing and the mother regular, only 2% of the children will become regular worshipers. 37% will attend irregularly and 60% will be completely lost to the church. So that is an interesting statistic in looking at how really your father's influence um, or the male figure in your life, how they are with God, has a really great impact, if you will, on church attendance, which I think is interesting. Now, I think with that, it's vital to recognize that going to church every week does not make you a Christian, but it does provide more of an opportunity for you to get spiritual truth. Just wanted to say that because I think even if you are not in church every single week or whatever else, it doesn't mean that you don't have a relationship with God because we are the church, right? We go to buildings to meet together for fellowship, but we are the church because we have the Holy Spirit indwelling within us. So that was a really interesting way to look at. And and then I bring in pop culture reference too. you know, like you look at the When Doves Cry song by Prince. Maybe I'm too demanding. Maybe I'm just like my father, too bold. Maybe you're just like my mother. She's never satisfied. Why do we scream at each other? This is what it sounds like when doves cry. So I love Prince. Prince is one of the best musicians of all time, in my humble opinion. But I'm a huge fan of of his work and the music that he did. I really love 80s music. And he um, he really hits on some truths here because if you look at, think about the last time you argued, your parents or your grandparents or whomever raised you, is it, do you argue in a similar way that they did? Do you 
um, or some of those habits you picked up on, is, is it like they have been? Uh, and I think that's an important thing to look at. And this is not a psychology textbook. This is not meant to really break you apart from a psychological standpoint. But it is good to recognize and see and acknowledge some of the things that our parents did are things that monkeys see, monkeys do, that we will continue to follow in. And that can be good or bad. Like we have the good, you know, attending church and seeking the Lord, but there's also some bad things that we can pick up on. How we fight, how we argue, um, perhaps things that we let bother us. And if we really want to walk into the best version of ourselves and the highest form of identity, how can we break some of those strongholds? How can we break some of those generational um, baggage or generational curses to not follow suit, right? I was listening to John Eldridge. Um, He has a great podcast. He's the author of Wild at Heart. And he was talking about agreements, and the man that he had um, for his co-host that week was talking with him about how his father had said, well, Arnold men are not leaders. And he said that that was just something that was an agreement that his father had made, that the, the people in their family were not leaders, but he wanted to break that. He did not agree. And it was not that he wanted to spite his father, but he wanted to make his dad proud. And in the same way, we have that opportunity that, you know, even if you've been told your whole life, well, people in our family don't do this or don't do that. Um, You have the opportunity to better yourself and get to that better place for the Lord and by the Lord. And I think that's, that is a beautiful opportunity and that is a beautiful thing to get to do. So next part I talked about um, in the book was kind of age order and identity. And that is really interesting, kind of seeing where you fall in the age bracket wise, how that can have an effect on you. We were saying the oldest children are typically natural leaders, um, kind of the same for only children. You know, they they pave their own path. Um, They almost, they grow up so much in the adult world that they almost become like a third parent to younger children, or they grow up so much if you're an only child in the adult world that they, it's not that they are equal to the parents, but they are more on the level of there's not as much maybe coddling and such. Um, Middle children are likely to be adaptable, um, diplomatic, and good at bringing people together. They're good at being that bridge, and they're usually the most popular and patient, which I think if you look at most middle children, that is true. They're typically, they're the popular ones, you know, Um, but they can also be very competitive. Because they're fighting between the oldest and the youngest, there's that competitive nature that comes about. And youngest children tend to be the most capricious, open-minded, and risk-takers. I think that is very true. I have uh, one little brother, and I have to say, I have adopted the uh, I am his second mom kind of thing. And he is definitely the risk-taker. He is the one who he, he'll be more keen to do the thing, um, or at a younger age, uh, take that risk far more than I was. And so I think that's really interesting looking at how our identities are affected by just our upbringing and that, um, if we don't acknowledge that we can't fix some of the wrongs or acknowledge some of the goods and that, and that is an important thing in really looking at 
who you are now and who you're becoming um, and really getting down to the nitty gritty and the details of breaking that apart, right? And and letting the Lord have that, but acknowledging this is a truth. This is, this is a factual reality. How can we improve? How can we continue to work in this? And you get older and you grow up and um, your friends become more of the input around you. Typically, um, it's good if you have a good relationship with your family, but typically you're going to spend most of your social time with your friends. And that cultural mindset can be good or bad. So if you're spending time with people who just complain all the time, I think especially if you are in your later 20s, early 30s, and you are single and you are hanging out with a group of singles who are consistently complaining about being single you're going to find yourself consistently complaining about being single. If you, you're kind of, you're getting branded in your mindset with that. If you are around people who are consistently talking about football, that's going to be what's really going to be going in your heart because what we think about later will become part of what our actions are. And there's good and bad with that. There's not all that. I mean, that's, I think all day long, it's good to you know, enjoy football, enjoy sports, to think about that, enjoy that the Lord, you know, every good thing is from the Lord. And so, yeah, of course, he he created us with the mindset to love football. I am, goodness, I think my family is the biggest Green Bay supporters on this side of the Mississippi. Um, but, well, I guess Mississippi is in Minnesota, like running through there. I'm saying that wrong. On the side of the East Coast, Okay, there's Blonde Callie coming out. But it's a good thing to remember that bad morals corrupt good character. So if you're hanging out with people who they're consistently, like, you know, getting to fights at the bar, they're, you know, unemployed all the time, they're jumping from relationship to relationship, they're not living in a good way, that's, that's going to have an impact on how you see the world and how you're conducting yourself. And that's why it is important to make sure that you're surrounding yourself with your good team. And so this book, this part of the book is really about coming along your good team. That's not to say not to, you know, be open and loving. Jesus sat down with the sinners, but he didn't participate in the sin. And I think that's what's important. You can be friends with people who aren't doing the things you're doing, but make sure that they don't corrupt your good character. And having accountability. Um, Really looking at having an accountability person that you're there for them, they're there for you, and you're not enabling each other, but you're helping each other to become better versions of yourself. If you are struggling with a temptation, looking to them to really be your backup and say, hey, I'm having a hard time with this. Help me with it. Um, I know a lot of, I've got somebody for eating disorder stuff. When I'm struggling with that, I go to them. Hey, having a hard time. Let's talk about it. They come to me. Hey, having a hard time. Let's talk about it. And there is such a beauty and a trust that comes in that. And really, that's the Lord giving that. Um, Bonhoeffer wisely stated in his book, Life Together, that community is what God gives in Christian community. It's not something we cultivate. So God, that's a gift from God. It's not just something that somehow we pull it out of our hats or, you know, anything. And that's, that's something to be prayed for and thank God for that he so graciously gives that. So really praying for a good Christian community, praying for a community in which you feel accepted and loved, but also that challenges you in a good way and pushes you continuously to become a better Christian, the best version of yourself. That is what is best and really looking for that team. 
And um, lastly, the world's input. So the world can be one of the biggest, you know, culture is something that we say it's, you know, the culture affects our mindset, the things we watch on TV, the things that we read, the things that we listen to. All of those different things are going to, in society, have an effect on us. And really digging into that and seeing that and acknowledging that is important because culture can be very different in different ways. There's the Christian culture, there's, you know, the mainstream culture, and, and you're either participating or walking throughout all of those all at the same time and really letting the right stuff in and purging and getting rid of the bad stuff is very important for your own identity and how you are walking and and seeing yourself. And I think that's that's important. Um, and also acknowledging that you can be at the top one day and the bottom the next. Um, I talk about in here, there's a picture that went around um, a few months ago of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who in the 1980s, he was like, I mean, he's the Terminator, for goodness sakes, gosh. He was, you know, the bomb. And he took a picture of himself like, laying in the sleeping bag next to a statue of himself in, like, the 80s when he was, like, all, he was the Arnold, and how he was at the top of the world then, and then here, 30 years later, he's, he's not, and I think that is significant to show just how fickle, but how changing society and culture is, but you can work in a way that you are you're not letting those those peaks and valleys really affect your identity so much as you are keeping a consistent identity throughout that you are growing, but you're not letting culture really screw with you or mess you up. You're not getting stuck. You're not getting stuck in that. Um, you know, people will be like, "Oh, they peaked in the high school thing." You're not. You're not getting stuck in that, or peaked at college, or peaked at some point. But you're continuing to grow and learn and become that best version of yourself. And that really comes on working in your identity, not letting your identity be only at your highest, and you don't move on from that. But letting your identity grow continuously, making you and shaping you into the person that that God made you to be, and that you get to enjoy being. So that's, that's really like, a, it's kind of a shorter chapter, but really looking at and acknowledging, you know, those important things. So think about this today in your top three, who, who is in your top three? Who are the three people that you trust and rely on the most that you consistently talk to and that you trust them with your dearest secrets? Um, how, how have your parents like really impacted your identity? What habits or traits that you pick up from them that you on a daily basis live out or should keep working on? And what influence do you see from your friends? What have your friends had an impact on? Was that on good or bad? Um, have they brought you closer to the Lord? Have they brought you further away? Um, have they brought forth in you something that you didn't even know you could enjoy and that you really do. So think about those things this week, carry them out and really look at your surroundings for what is going to have an impact on your inner you. So dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the listeners. Thank you for us continuing to grow in our identities. And I just pray that you would help highlight these things to us so that we may know you better. In the name we pray. Amen.